Coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast, how to value your time when the doctor says you don't have much left. Today, I'll be sharing some thoughts from a man who pretty much had everything, including a healthy life, until earlier this summer. This is the Sark Fighter podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Sark Fighter podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. I do this podcast to offer fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients to hear their stories, understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives, and hopefully that helps you understand what you're up against and what you need to do to overcome, whether it's the disease, the effects of the medicine, or both, or just the way your life maybe has changed because of sarcoidosis. Now, I don't have a guest today, but I do have some food for thought that is coming from another person. A man I know not too long ago sold his startup company to a giant corporation. And I know uh, that after years of struggling to build his company and prove the value of his concept, he literally cashed out for more money than most of us could spend in our lifetimes. Uh, It's just that kind of money, okay? And this is a hardworking guy, a family guy, a nice guy, uh, and he he just worked hard and he, he... got this company going, and it grew and grew and grew, and eventually one of the biggest companies in the world came knocking, and things went very well for him. So he had that much money, but earlier this summer, he wasn't feeling well. He went to the doctor and out of the blue learned that he has terminal cancer, and at the time, they gave him six months or less to live. So you walk into the doctor, you're not feeling too well, they run some tests, and you get that conversation. Now, maybe we've all heard a story like this. We know somebody who suffered this. Um, I mean, with cancer being what it is, these types of stories come around every so often that 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 happens to somebody. But... um, The part about not having long to live, but having long enough to know that it's coming is what is giving me the opportunity to share some insights today. Um, Now, this did happen to another friend of mine, and it happened so fast that I never got to say goodbye or tell him how much I respected him for the way he lived his life, another good guy, family guy successful businessman, had a family business that that he inherited and ran it and and did all the right things, was a very community-oriented guy. In fact, we had served on a local board together for a nonprofit, and he literally was at one meeting, and by the next meeting, he had passed away. That's how fast it was. So now there's this person that I want to talk to you about today, and I know him professionally versus personally. Uh, I do know his story quite well. Um, there's been a, a fair amount written about it. And and, uh, and he has now been journaling 
online asking some of life's most important questions. And I don't know if it's important that he was so successful and made so much money and had such a great family and tried to do everything right, that that makes these questions any more or less relevant. It, it seems to me that it does. Um, and also there is the fact that he is such a smart guy, right? I mean, it wasn't luck that helped him generate all this wealth. He came up with uh, a very intricate concept that proved to be valuable to uh, one of the major corporations, ultimately, that you know. And the average guy on the street, the, uh, me, <laughs> other people I know, you, you, know you, don't, you don't just come up with this, right? You've, you've got to be a little smarter than the average guy. So now he's in this situation He's journaling online, and I can't get his journal entries out of my head. So, of course, he's he's got terminal cancer. We're here in the sarcoidosis space. And we all know, of course, that sarcoidosis can be terminal. Uh, a quick Google search shows that about 1% to 8% of cases of sarcoidosis turn out to be fatal, uh, and we often talk about how difficult life with sarcoidosis is, fatal or not, uh, knowing that there is no cure. So we live with the side effects of the medications. Our lives are greatly restricted. We mourn the loss of the life we once had. Our families are impacted. Our careers are, are often ruined. And we're all trying to come to grips with what's happening to us. And if you've listened to the Sark Fighter podcast People have come on and they have shared their stories, and these are these are touch points. And you know, and I got to tell you that um, I got a, I got an email from Australia this week from somebody saying thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this podcast. It's helped me try to figure out where I am versus where I should be, and I'm hearing other people, and and, uh, and they're finding a way to get through it, and, uh, and and just said that the 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 podcast was a great help, and so. And that's the part under coming to grips with what's happening to us, right? Well, and, and I use myself as an example oftentimes because, uh, not because I think that my example is so awfully important. In fact, I would say that it's not. Um, but I use myself as an example because I know I have permission to talk about myself. And oftentimes I, I don't want to be talking about somebody else without having had a long conversation with them first. So I just use myself often as an example. But please understand that I, that I don't do this just because I want to talk about me. And, and some of this is going to come back around when you listen to some of these journal entries and some of the questions that this man is asking uh, as he's facing the uh, imminent end of his life. But um, I was shocked when I was first diagnosed because I almost never get sick. And I've heard that from any number of guests also here on the podcast. So here comes sarcoidosis. It nails you from out of left field. And But when I first was diagnosed, I started thinking for the first time that, you know, wow, I might not live into my 80s. You know, when I then might more reasonably expect to pass from old age or some of the uh, afflictions that happen to us all when we get older. 
And I started thinking about it a lot when I was diagnosed, and honestly, I still do. I mean, it, it comes around a lot. Um, I don't mind telling you, I'm in my early 60s. A friend of mine who's a little older, uh, who uh, reached his 60s about five years ago, told me, John, it's like, it's like being on vacation and it's Thursday, okay? It's just about to be over, but it's not over yet. And you, so you start looking at life differently. So... Um, but now uh, I'm at I'm on Thursday, and I have sarcoidosis, and I you know I wonder I wonder what's going to happen, um, and I'm assuming that if you're a sarc patient, perhaps you have had those thoughts as well, and and I do know that many of my guests have have shared that they do. So when we come back here in less than a minute, I want to look at some of the questions that this man has been raising in his online journal, and we'll take a look at that, and it's some serious food for thought, next on the Sark Fighter Podcast. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. And now I want to share with you some of the thoughts from the online journal posted by this successful businessman that I have had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with, albeit albeit a few years ago. Uh, And let me preface this by saying that I do not have his permission to share these thoughts. And in fact, I don't even know how I would go about asking for that. I feel like it would be presumptuous of me. I wouldn't want to trouble him with this question. Um, he and I don't even live in the same state. So it just, I, I, how do you ask somebody who's dying for permission to do that? But he is putting his thoughts out there in a place where members of the public can see them if they know where to look. And they are so insightful And he is the type of guy that I believe he would want you to hear them if he thought it would help even a little bit. Now, despite that, what I I plan to do here is paraphrase his thoughts because they are his thoughts. And my only intent here is to help those of you who have health issues of your own to find a way to, to grapple with some of the issues that you may be facing. And he's facing these coming from a place that, let's face it, uh, you, you, very few people are in this world knowing that they don't have a long time to live, but still having the faculties to sort of express these thoughts and then to be doing it uh, from a place that, that this guy has come from. I, I, just, I just think it's, it's fascinating. Um, And the first thing that I would say is that uh, I've been fascinated with how he does not put himself first. 
So he keeps raising questions like, how can he make life easier for his family and his friends once he passes? He has mentioned that he is concerned that he is making them sad and making his life worse in some way because they are around him as he's going through this. And of course, I'm sure everybody's putting up a brave front and they're trying to make him feel good, but he's smart enough to know that that's probably what's going on. And he very much does not want to play the sympathy card when he's trying to get his way. He's married. I'm married. You, you, know, you, you may be married. There, there are times in a married life when you want the other person in the room to do something or to see things your way or to be understanding of a given situation. And sometimes you will reach for whatever is available to try and sort of win, if you will, that situation. And he has mentioned that he absolutely positively does not want to refer to his situation as he tries to navigate those situations. I, I, I just wonder how he's able to do that, really. I mean, you would just think that because you're going to die soon that you should just get whatever you want and everybody around you should do what you want when you want and and but he he doesn't want it that way and he doesn't he doesn't want to play that card and he's and he's talked about that and now he's looking back on his life and he's wanting to make good for having been a, a butthole in certain situations that's my word not his again I'm paraphrasing but you know, we've all we've all looked back, and there were situations where maybe we weren't our best self, or maybe we were so determined to get our way or to overcome or whatever that you just knuckle down, maybe beyond what is reasonable. Um, and he's and he's looking back and and wishing that he could reach back to people from throughout his life, and and make good on those. Um, again, wow, wow. Would, would, would you do that if you were facing the same thing? Are you doing that now, knowing that you're in a bad way because you have sarcoidosis? Do you, do you, does that, is that one of the things that occurs to you? I still, I have some situations in my life where I look back and I still want to say, so there, I was right. <laughs> maybe, maybe that notion of um, granting forgiveness um, or um, seeking permission to apologize would would come up if I was faced with his situation. And then um, he's lamenting spending time away on business instead of spending more time with his kids, with his family when they were younger. And again, this is a guy who was, I mean, top one half of 1% successful, right? I mean, he... He may have spent a lot of time on business, but he was able to provide a fantastic life for his family. You know, a life a life that uh, that most of us would envy. And uh, but he's you know he's looking back and saying, yeah, maybe maybe if I had drawn that line in a slightly different place, uh, maybe I maybe I would have done that. Um, and he very much wants to provide words and encouragement to loved ones in the remaining time that he has. So in this time when 
everybody should be feeling sorry for him, and he rightfully could be seeking pity from other people. What he's trying to do is find ways to be encouraging to other people, to, to say something, to, to find the words to help them live better lives going forward. And all of this is, and but you know, some of some of his posts, he's asking himself, you know, how can he how can he do this, um, or telling himself that it's important to do it, and then sharing those thoughts with those of us who are reading his posts. Um, and that brings me to another concept that he has been exploring, and that is something uh, that you may have thought about. I think about it a lot. I hadn't th- thought about it so much in life terms, but. Urgency versus importance, and this is something that comes up all the time in my business. I, uh, I'm in television news, right? And um, we know that when there is breaking news, it drives viewership. So the newer something is, the more likely you are to watch it. And then when you think about it, you think about the word news, which means something new, and so our job is to provide the very latest information, uh, 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 no matter what it is, right? But um, in many cases in television news, there are stories that we know that even by tomorrow, by the next 24-hour news cycle, there may be little interest in a given story, but because it's breaking, because it's happening Right now, there is so much interest in it that it's the lead story in our newscast. So what winds up happening is the urgent story takes precedence over the important story. What am I talking about? For example, a car wreck on the interstate that has traffic backed up and it's happening at 6 o'clock at night when we're doing the news, we can send a reporter out there. That reporter can be live on the scene, and we can say there is a 10-mile backup on the interstate right now. You need to avoid it. We can show the wreckage of, let's say, a tractor-trailer has turned over. Let's say nobody was even hurt or killed, but a tractor-trailer has turned over, and the interstate is blocked. By tomorrow, that tractor-trailer will have been moved. The 10-mile backup will be gone we won't think about it again, right, in terms of news value. Versus, say, a story that's ongoing, but it's really important. During the pandemic, there was a slowdown in people getting their unemployment checks, and um, and then the state couldn't keep up, and all these people were unemployed. And so, so people who needed money and didn't have jobs and couldn't leave their homes because of uh, the pandemic and couldn't get any money from the state, the state just was caught flat-footed and wasn't ready for this big influx of people. So that would be an example of a story that's really important, but it's not super urgent because it's also going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there the next day. We can go interview people. We can show people in their lives. Yes, it's urgent for them to get that money. But once you've covered it once, the situation is ongoing. And so there's a deeper issue, which is how are they going to get enough people at the state? And how are they going to get the computers to hurry up? Da, 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 da. So th- th- these are examples of real stories that we've dealt with here in Virginia in the past 12 months. So urgency versus importance in news, but now looks at, look, let's look at that in life. So you look at life and you wonder, 
All right, how do I how do I prioritize these things? I mean, some things are urgent. I have to go to work and I have to be there on time, but my family is important, but I can't not provide for my family because right now I have to be at work at nine. It's five minutes to nine. And even if we're talking about something important, I have to go right now. Like that's urgent. And then getting back to my TV news example, we only have so much time, maybe about 12 minutes of, of actual time to talk about the news after you subtract the commercials and sports and weather in a 30-minute newscast. So how do we decide what to show on the air? How do we deploy our news crews to cover all of this? Do we send them on the important story or do we send them to the traffic accident, which is urgent, but by tomorrow will no longer be important? So you try to apply that to life, and that's, that's what my friend is doing. So in his postings, he says that now that his time is so limited, he's being forced to make these decisions, and he doesn't want to make the wrong ones. He's, he's, he doesn't have time, according to him, to make the wrong ones, and I, I think we probably all could agree with that. So... Assuming that you are not in the 1% to 8% who, in fact, have that worst prognosis with sarcoidosis, how would you reconcile that? Would you love so deeply that nothing else mattered? Could you do that? Would urgency intervene over importance at least some of the time? Is it even something that we can control, uh, the urgency versus importance thing versus Love, assuming that we love our family uh, above all else, or we love something above all else, and we wanted to devote all of our time to that because it was so important. But would urgent matters intervene? Or if you only had that certain amount of time, could you or should you set the urgent things aside and say, say, la vie? I don't know. Assuming we only had a limited amount of time left and it was finite and short, would you try to spend it doing what you loved the most without regard for the consequences? Because you know there is essentially no greater consequence than the one that you are facing in a very short amount of time. Now, in my case, you know that I love to ride my bike, and I can tell you that I use my diagnosis, which pretty much robbed me of my ability to run and play basketball and do other things that are sort of athletic, which have always been the things that, that made me happy when I was making plans and I was uh, living my life according to my plans. Um, I can't do those things because I've got this spinal sarcoidosis and I've lost a lot of coordination in my lower body. So it's pretty easy for me to justify spending extra time on my bike. It's a, it's a very easy rationalization. I can say, well, you know what? Uh, I can't run anymore, and I'm lucky to be able to ride my bike, and I'm not going to miss this opportunity to do it. It's important to me, and I'm going to do it. Uh, I can tell you that when I first got this diagnosis and there was an opportunity, there was, there was a chance that I might not be able to walk, one of the things that I wanted to do was go and see the Grand Canyon. And my wife and I made plans. Uh, the pandemic interfered, but we eventually got to go see the Grand Canyon. And now my goal is to hike across the Grand Canyon. 
And so um, we're trying to make plans to do that, right? Um, because I want to do it before I lose the ability to uh, to walk, right? I mean, I may never lose that ability, but it's it's there. You know, I'm one one more flare away from that possibly happening. So anyway, but that's kind of a, even though it's super important to me, it's kind of a surface level compared to talking about loving the ones that you, that you, you know, being there for the ones you love so much and spending that extra time with the people who are important to you and, and, and doing all these things that you think that you would do when you're, when you might be facing this situation. So if the doctor's gave me even more dire news, would that translate then to spending more time with my wife, kids, my grandkids, assuming that they would even want to spend that time with me? I mean, my oldest grandchild's only four. I expect he'd get pretty bored with sitting around with Papa. He'd say things like, you know, Papa, why are you spending so much time here? Can we, can I go outside and play or can I turn on the TV? <laughs> I mean, he would, maybe I would want to spend that time with him, but would he want to spend it with me? And would it be fair to him to force him to spend that extra time with me? Probably not. Um, and, you know, I mean, my wife probably gets enough of me and my kids are in that stage of life where they are, uh, they're growing their businesses and, and their careers. You know, would I be presumptuous to try and spend more time with them? Uh, even if that's what I decided I wanted to do, I, I mean, these are such difficult questions. There's there's no answer to them, but I just can't stop thinking about this stuff all of a sudden because I've been reading these posts. So here's another thought that my friend had. He said he liked living a life with a schedule based upon what he was planning to do that day. Think about that. Just living a life based upon what you're planning to do. I mean, don't we all do that to, to some extent or mostly? But how awful would it be to be robbed of making plans and then simply doing them? And this is an area where Sark intervenes, uh, but I've never heard it stripped down to its core like that, right? Remember, this is a man for whom money is no issue. He's been able for the past few years to plan whatever he wanted to do and then to go do it. There's, you know, other than family concerns or, you know, whatever urgencies might come up, there was certainly no reason that he that he couldn't go do it. And now he's sick from the chemo all the time. He has doctor's appointments. He's making judgments based upon the quality of the time that he has left. And you've heard these from others. There was even a country song about that. Um uh, but, you know, so he's looking at, and if he takes his chemo, he may live a few weeks longer, but what good would it be if he's just in pain and he can't move around and, and have any quality of life? So maybe it's better to have just a few good weeks. So you make these quality quantity decisions, right? Um, and he's not, you know, as, as he said, uh, you know, his schedule is pretty much open right now, um. So he doesn't have any plans, so he's not living a life according to what he's, you know, planning to do. And we in the sarcoidosis sector know all about the doctor's appointments. We know all about the long-term side effects of drugs that can have permanent after effects. We know that it may be hard to make plans and just live a life working through them. And this was an epiphany for me, I got to tell you, like a life just doing what you planned, a life just doing what you planned. And... 
when you think about sarcoidosis, it, it causes all these setbacks. And so the life that you once knew, as I said before, that we mourn the loss of our previous life, well, maybe when you boil it down to its bare essentials, your previous life was just doing what you planned. And now you either have to plan different things or you can plan nothing because sarcoidosis is doing that to your body or the drugs to fight sarcoidosis. The therapies are doing that to your body. And so you're not even able to plan a few things and then just go do them. And so to me, the epiphany was, Wow. Like when I get up in the morning, I know that I'm going to make my coffee. Uh, I'm probably going to, it's summertime, I'm going to water the plants on the front porch. Uh, I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to go to work. And these are tasks that I don't particularly, other than the coffee, and sometimes walking the dog, maybe enjoy, right? But maybe I should. You know, maybe, maybe... Just being able to do what you plan to do and live your life that way is more important than any of us ever thought. And, and I got to tell you, there are more deeper questions that he is asking, most of which don't really have answers, but do lead to that inner reflection. And I'm just hoping on the podcast here today that maybe by sharing some of the thoughts of someone who pretty much had everything, at least from the outside looking in, but is now facing an imminent death that uh, maybe that can help you deal with sarcoidosis, evaluate some of the questions that we all ask ourselves, and, and just look at things through the lens of what if everything that was going on in your life was still going on, when, no matter what it is, and now you are forced due to the ultimate time constraint, to really decide what's important and what's not. Food for thought here on the Sark Fighter podcast. Okay, a reminder, the official Sark Fighter song called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards from Alberta, Canada. You can hear Mark's story. He's a Sark Fighter back in episode 12. Normally, I release every other Monday as I'm speaking today. My trusty dog, Dougal, my boxer, is curled up here in the office. He makes my life so much better. Don't forget to follow me on social media. Search for Sark Fighter on Facebook and Instagram. If you happen to have a Peloton, you can follow me. I'll follow you back as Sark Fighter, and my hashtag is Sarcoidosis Awareness. I also have a cycling blog, Carlin the Cyclist, and there is a section in there dedicated to cycling with sarcoidosis. Also, if you're new here, just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, try listening to episode one with Dr. Episode two, actually, with Dr. Simon Hart. That's the one of the most listened to episodes. It's sort of like sarcoidosis 101. If you want to know my backstory, that's episode two. The backstory to the founding of the foundation for sarcoidosis research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is a SARC fighter, and they started the foundation at their kitchen table. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if you want to be on the podcast. I'm now booking guests through the fall. Send me an email in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you take that link and you share it on your social media. And if you like it, just tell one person. 
just one other person. That's all I ask. Give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your downloads. Until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer your fear.